Welcome to more than a few words of marketing conversation for small business owners. MPFW is a production of Roundpeg where we help small businesses become big businesses. And this morning we are going to be talking about a topic that I think every small business owner really needs to know about, and that is email marketing with our guest, Jim Cota. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Lorraine. On the Twitter stream, as always, is Allison Carter. If Good you morning. Good morning, Allison. If you have a comment or a question, be sure to tag it with MTFW. Also, if you would like to call in, the phone number is area code 805-285-9865. And if you're just calling in to listen, that's awesome. If you have a question, be sure to push the one key so I know you want to join the conversation. And we're ready to get started. Jim, let's start with Rarebird. Tell us a little bit about the company, who you are, what you guys do. Okay. Uh, we started as uh, the three of us that started Rarebird back in 1998 uh, had worked together at an advertising agency. And um, I was the creative director there for about eight years. And we decided we wanted to do more web development instead of. I mean, at that time, we had done every type of marketing you could imagine, outdoor, radio, TV. And, uh, you know, the web comes along. This is 1993, 94, and I spent a lot of time explaining to people what the Internet was and why it was going to be important and why they needed to pay attention. And uh, we were in Terre Haute at the time, and I remember I would finish one of these presentations to a chamber of commerce or uh, industry association, and people would literally have this weird look on their face like, Wait a minute, you're talking about technology and you're from Terre Haute, how can that possibly be? So we ended up opening an office here in Indianapolis um, in 1994. We ran that office for a few years and then left in 98 to start River. So. Well, and you know, and it's so funny when you when you're, you sit here and you're like, the idea that you would get up in front of a room of business owners today and try to talk about the internet or yeah, the web. You know, that was back in the day when, when really the uh, dial-up speed was, you know, 14.4 modems. Um, and so we, one of the first sites we built was for Abbott Laboratories, and it was uh, to help explain their drug discovery process. And I remember we had Bill Curtis from, uh, he does a lot of um, public television TV stuff, and so he was the spokesperson. And we had video on this website that was literally posted stamp size because that was as big as it could get. <laughs> Because you didn't have a connection that would support anything bigger. Well, but your monitors were fairly bigger. Well, the monitors were much bigger either. That's right. That's right. Okay, so from there, um, I mean, and you guys still do web design. We still do a lot of web design, a lot of web development. We really have um, we've kind of made a name for ourselves more in e-commerce than anything else. And so we do all of the e-commerce work for Harvard Medical School. Uh, we do a lot of e-commerce work for a co big company here in Indiana called the Annie's, which is in the publishing industry. Um, so, so we do uh, a fair amount of uh, e-commerce, e-commerce marketing, strategy development, all those types of things. And email plays a very strong role in that. And and that was really what um, was so intriguing when when uh, we were trading notes about today's show. When you said that you guys send for your clients five million emails a month, right. doesn't that make you a spammer? Uh, no, it doesn't. In fact, the first thing I'm going to tell you about, if you want to do this for your business, uh, the first thing you need to do is build that list. Right? So we are not sending any email to anyone who hasn't asked to receive it. And that's really the important part of uh, a good email marketing strategy, is to understand that you're not sending email to anybody, you're sending email to people who've requested to hear from you. 
you know, um, uh, Robbie Slaughter here in town, he and I sat down a few years ago and we were talking about our email list. And he was telling me that he still had a 70% open rate on his emails, which I thought was incredible and unbelievable. And he said that basically it's a very small list and he's very, very selective about who he sends his emails to. Right. And, you know, I was very proud of the fact that I had 3,000 people. But the reality was 70% of a small list that's really interested or 20% of a big list that's not, he actually was getting more eyeballs than I was. Well, and that's, you know, it's interesting. We answer a lot of questions about, you know, what is the industry open rate and what is the industry click-through rate? And really, none of those things matter. And relevancy is, is the key, right? So no matter how many people you have on your list, if you're communicating with them in a relevant manner, uh, you can be very happy with a 20% open rate uh, or you can be very happy with a 70% open rate. Often it depends on what is the conversion from that open or click, right? So it's, what happens upstream is great, but what happens downstream is what really drives the business. And that's where I think um, the website and your email have to work in tandem. If you've got good content on your website, you need to let people know through the email, and you've got to have those, those calls to action on the other side. Well, content is, is king and always will be king. You know, it's interesting. One of our clients out in Iowa is a, uh, they sell farm supplies. They sell into the, the sheep and goat industry, right? So uh, they have a very highly engaged list. And one of the things that we built for them was the ability to come back and rate and review products, right? So there's an email that goes out, and I think it's probably 21 days after your purchase. And all it says is, please come back and tell other people what you think of this product. It doesn't even have the product that you ordered. It's very generic. And they have a 10% e-commerce conversion rate on that email. So 10% of the people that get that email come back and buy something from it. And that, there's no products. There's no call to action other than come back and tell other people what you thought. So that's a very highly engaged, highly relevant uh, email in that it triggers this like Pavlovian response where people think, oh, that's right. I needed to go get something else. Wow. Wow. I mean, uh, any business owner would, would kill for for that kind of... Yeah, um, and we've tried to replicate it for other people, and it doesn't work the same way because that audience is unique in that respect. Because they they do have a built-in... I mean, if you're farming, if you're, you're raising um, animals, you have that reoccurring need for certain products. So once you find something that works, that reminder is really important. Yeah, and it's interesting. So, so we've kind of been dragging this client kicking and screaming into... Um, what we would consider, you and I would consider to be, you know, very uh, tried and true marketing tactics, right? So when we started talking to him about email several years ago, he didn't want to do it. He, he said, you know, I don't want to bother people. I don't want to interrupt people. I don't want to spam people. And what we found is that, uh, so we started very slowly, very gingerly. We developed the list, and he's got a very, a very large and engaged list at this point. And the first email we sent, was from him that basically said, look, I don't want to spam you. And these, these were all the people that had signed up for his list, right? So it took us a long time to get him in the habit of understanding that they want to hear from you. So he developed a, a strategy where in one month they send out a mailer that has products on it. It has four different products. All it says is, you know, here's one product that's kind of highlighted. Here are three others. And in the next month they send a very long, very long newsletter. If you printed this thing out, it's probably four or five pages. They both have about the same conversion rate for products. One of them has no products in it at all. It has recipes. It has industry news. It has all kinds of other stuff like that. 
and the other one is just four products, and they alternate month to month, and they both sell the same amount of products. Uh, okay, um, and, and that 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 seems odd. That I mean, to to me, that it, and it's just it's because for that client base, it's just touched them. It, that, is, that is really the the you, trick. Literally, all you need to do is remind them that you exist. I think we could send out blank email messages <laughs> that said, "Oh, by the way, this is from Premier," and they would all come back and order something. <laughs> so that that doesn't happen very often, but it does happen occasionally. Well, but I think. What that kind of points to is you have to, you can't rely on just the email. The reason that email works is because they have cultivated their relationships offline. Without because doubt. They, they, they have an engaged customer base, they've got a good product, and so you earn the right to just go back and touch them, and like you said, they'll, they'll buy. Right, and at Harvard, the, the challenge is a little bit different. So Harvard, they're selling health information more than anything else. And in that case, uh, we have a very large list. It's probably you know, five or six times the size of, of uh, the premier list. And those people, they, they need more than just the nurturing. They need more than just the reminder. And so what we see there is that relevancy is the key. And What's interesting about developing your list, so when you go to the Harvard Health website, it asks you if you want to join the list. It shows you some sample emails that you're going to get. It follows all those best practices. And we get probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 signups a month from people who come to the Harvard website. The very next step in the process, it asks you uh, if you want to sign up for one of the series mailers. And they have seven different series mailers, one's on fitness, one's on heart disease, one's on uh, diabetes. And each one of those mailers is a series that runs automatically for about six weeks, six to eight weeks, right? So you sign up for the mailing list. We ask if you want to join one of these series, and you say yes or no. And then it goes to the next step where we start asking you about health topics, right? And I think on the next page, there are probably 30 different topics that you can actually say, I'm interested in this and this and this and health disease and women's health and men's health. And what we find is that 5,000 people a month hit the first thing. And about half of those actually sign up for one of the series mailers. And about half of those give us more information about their preferences. So what we have found is that if you just ask people, right, so they're opting in for your list. They're telling you that they want more information. And if you ask them to help refine what it is that they want to hear, they'll tell you. Right? Wow. So now we have, you know, with 200,000 people on the list, almost half of them, we have very good data about what they're interested in. And so we can select that group and send very relevant messages to them. So um, when you get, because I have multiple lists, um, and when I gave, give people the opportunity, a lot of times I'll get people who sign up for everything. Mm -hmm. And I actually go back in and, and opt them out of some of them because I'm afraid that when I was doing multiple emails, you're going to get six emails from me in two weeks. You're going to hate me, and then you're going to unsubscribe. I mean, do you, how do you, at, at, at that volume, how do you or can you sort of protect people from themselves? Well, what, what we want to do there is make sure that if somebody's opting out, they're opting out from that message and not your overall list. Oh. And so you give them the capability to fine-tune their preferences and their delivery schedule over time. And I think you want to be really careful. You know, if I tell you, look, these are the things that I'm interested in, uh, you want to be careful that you don't go and start calling on my behalf because mm -hmm. I may not like that either. Uh, but the example that I think of, because a lot of people are talking about, you know, over time you need to remove people from your list that aren't engaged. Well, I, I get email from Amazon, right? So everybody gets email from Amazon. <laughs> and far more than most of us would like probably. 
I don't open any of those emails until something catches my eye. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a little bit like uh, for those of us old enough to remember the newspaper, you read the newspaper. <laughs> And, uh, you know, suddenly there's this tire ad in the newspaper. And just when you need tires, mm-hmm. and you, you think to yourself, my gosh, what great luck, here's this ad about tires, and I need tires. Well, that ad for tires has been in every newspaper that you've ever opened from the beginning of time. You just never noticed it. Because right? your brain is wired. Um, it, it's like when you're pregnant. Every woman in America is pregnant when you're pregnant. Yes. And as soon as you deliver, amazingly, they all do. They all have, and they all have little babies. And then suddenly, you get that new car, and then everyone is driving your damn car. So, so that's how we're wired, right? So, uh, and when you see those ads, and you suddenly think to yourself, "Oh, that's great luck with that ad." So that same thing happens with email. And I may not look at an email from Amazon for a year, mm-hmm. but I don't want Amazon to remove me from that list, right? Mm-hmm. I'll remove myself from that list when I decide it's too much. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't take anybody out. Um, Again, I, uh, I've been okay. My my email list is ten years old, so I have some people that have been getting my email for ten years, and it's some of them are still reading, and some of them still reading. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because every now and then I'll get an email like in. I, I was we were talking about earlier. I always send it out um, uh, Wednesday mornings before the show. I got an email this morning from someone I know and has been on my list because I know how long I've known her for eight or nine years. And she still reads it because the subject line this morning was was relevant. It was relevant, yeah. yeah. So the other thing that uh, that we do a lot of is nurturing campaigns and triggered, triggered campaigns. And one of my favorite is actually one we did for ourselves. And uh, what it does is sends out a message to everybody on their birthday. Right, so it looks like it comes from me, or it looks like it comes from whoever they know at Rare Bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the message is really, hey, it's your birthday, congratulations, you made it. Um, but the subject line is, so what happens next? And what we did was we wrote horoscopes for everybody, right? And the horoscopes are what we call aviscopes based on the aviary, so they're all birds, right? So if you sign up, I think today is the uh, flat, you know, yellow belly sucker or something like that. So all of these emails go out automatically. We never touch it. But that open rate and that click-through rate is very high because people want to see something that's relevant to them and related to them. And they're all horoscopes that we wrote based on the behaviors of the birds and things like that. Very fun. fun. Yeah, Yeah, but I think that whole um, marketing while you sleep idea is is very appealing. Um, You have to be very careful that the person who's reading it doesn't think this was marketing while they slept, right? So it has to still sound like you sat down and wrote that message and you cared enough to send it to them. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a a careful distinction you have to make. Because if people think that it's just, oh, some machine generated Mm -hmm. thing, they're much less likely to be uh, engaged by that. Absolutely. And and I think that's where... um, I, when I look at emails that I get, because I did a lot of networking for a lot of years, so I'm on a lot of lists, and they're not well written. And they're, that's, uh, I think, the thing people lose sight of. They're like, oh, well, you know, I signed up for this technology, and isn't this great? But they're not paying attention to really making the content interesting and engaging. Well, I think what we forget as business owners and business people is that uh, there are very few brands out there in the world that uh, people want to buy products from. You know, Apple comes to mind. People line up out the stores every time they release anything. The rest of us are all trying to solve problems, right? So no one really wants to buy your product. They want to buy a solution to a problem that they have. And if you're not presenting that solution 
you could have a great solution, but if you're not presenting it to them in a way that makes sense, in a way that resonates with them, then you're not going to get very far with that. No, they're just going to be like, okay, great. Uh, one more email newsletters. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Right. Report is spam, which is even worse. Oh. Then you have to deal with some of those repercussions. So um, tips in general, 5 million emails a month, and clearly you have, you have some outliers, but the, the sheep guys, um, who, you know, no matter what they send yeah. people open. But are there some general rules of thumb for good and bad email practices? Sure. Uh, the first thing is build your list, right? And you have to build that list, tell people what they're going to get, explain to them how they're going to get it, show them examples of what it's going to look like, and that alone will actually set that expectation so everything that happens from that point on will be better than it would have been if you hadn't, right? So that's the first one. Um, always think relevancy. If I'm going to send this message to these people, think what is what is it going to look like when it, when it gets to them, and do they care? And if you can look at your list and segment it and say, well, you know what, half the people on my list really aren't going to care about this poultry lamp, right? Well, mm -hmm. then don't send it to them. So just send it to the people that it matters. And this is talking about you with segmenting your list based on needs and things of that sort. So make sure that the message that you're sending out is relevant to the people you're sending it to. And then, you know, I think what people, what, what we really lose sight of is you have to test all the time. Test your subject lines, test the day that you're sending it, uh, test the types of messages that you're sending out. And we really, it's really easy to do it and we lose, we lose track of that. You know, I've been doing this, I've been doing marketing since 1989 or something like that, and I'm still surprised by what resonates with people. So we'll test subject lines, we'll test the days that we're sending things, we'll test pretty much everything. And occasionally you'll find something that really, it runs counterculture to what you expected, mm -hmm. but it just works better. And if it works better, then you go with that. That becomes a new control, you start testing other things from that point. Cool. One of those was our, our birthday mailer, right? So now the headline, or the subject line says, so what happens next? And before I think it was a generic happy birthday message. Mm -hmm. Well, the new subject line is far more effective than the old one. Well, you just kind of, because it piques your curiosity, and in, and in the sea of emails that all say happy birthday, right. this one stands out. And the other thing to remember is that what works for uh, one doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for all. Mm -hmm. right? So you have to be careful with that. And that goes back to relevancy. So uh, we see a lot of these tips, you know, make sure that your subject line contains a number, you know, five things to do from X. But really, uh, that's... I think the people that are in the marketing world and that are really paying attention to all these things and they're doing a lot of reading, we're always looking at those types of messages. Mm -hmm. But I think that somebody who's out there just trying to solve a problem, they don't necessarily need five things to do X. They need, how do I solve this problem that's in front of me right now? Cool. Interesting. Um, how many links? Um, it's too many in an email. Where are you missing opportunities? Um, so that's that's kind of interesting. So I don't know if there would be a, a number that would I would say never go more than five links. But I think one of the things I would tell you is to repeat links. So uh, somebody may ha in your email you may have a link up in the right sidebar that goes to a page on your website. Maybe it's selling a product. Maybe it's going to a uh, additional information. Maybe a white paper. Something along those lines. And you also have that same link in the copy. Well, we find that people. The same people that click on the one in the upper right are not the same people that click on the one in the, in the copy. So I think thinking in terms of how can I present this information so that it hits everybody and not just the way that I think or the way that you think or give them enough opportunities to find that information. You know, the, that's the strategy I always recommend to clients when we build websites. They're like, 
why do I need a call to action button on the side? I've got it in the navigation. And it's because some people are going to gravitate to that sidebar right. and they're not going to see it in the navigation. Right. And the other thing that we hear a lot is, you know, everything's got to be above the fold. There's no fold on websites. But uh, we hear a lot of this, it's got to be in the upper half or nobody reads anymore. I mean, we, all these, this conventional wisdom, and none of it's really true. Uh, people will scroll, people will read if the content is interesting. Some of the best uh, the direct mail campaigns, the best online campaigns are still the long form written letter mm -hmm. that says, here's what this pro pro process is, here's what this product is, here's what the solution is. And if you hook somebody and you've got their interest, they will read and read and read until they get to the very bottom of whatever it is that you're trying to tell them. So I hear a lot that people don't read and you have to keep the copy short. I would counter that we have to keep the copy interesting. It's got to be got to be good. It, and so people will stay longer, so stay with you longer if you catch their attention. Without a doubt. Um, I had another question. Okay, so um, we went through a period where emails were just works of art. Tons of pictures, and then um, along came the functionality where you didn't have to download the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we do see a lot of things right now where people, you were talking about your email, which is um, kind of a uh, a recap or a best mm -hmm. of the blog post, right? Mm -hmm. So that can be very relevant and very effective because let's say that you contain four or five different uh, intros to blog posts. Well, one of those is likely to hit with somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, Mashable does this. They send out these messages and they contain 10 different things, hoping that one of them is relevant for the guy that just mm -hmm. opened the message. So I think we see a lot of this content kind of moving toward if I can try the shotgun approach and hoping that one of those hits, then that's good. But the other thing you can do is segment on the other end and say, well, I, I don't need to try the shotgun approach because I know that this segment of my list is interested in this topic. Yes. So in some ways, you could do very relevant email for very small members of your list, mm -hmm. get that 70% open rate, and be maybe more effective than trying the multiple process. Multiple well, messages. It, it, we uh, we've gone back and forth, and and you know I, I think uh, we're still like you said we're still testing to see you know which gets um, more. With one of our clients, um, we did two different experiments where we um, either gave them the whole recipe because it, it's a food company, gave them a whole recipe in the email that was perfect just the way it was, but nobody clicked through versus. Um, giving them the teasers, the intros, and some details. And on that one, we totally learned we had to just give them the teaser. Because if we gave them complete in the email, the reader might be, they weren't satisfied. Mm -hmm. Which is okay, I'm happy they're satisfied, but they ain't buying. Well, and so that's a fine line too, right? So that goes back to what are we trying to accomplish and what are we really trying to do? And so if if what we're trying to do is remain relevant for that user and we're trying to provide them information, well then it's perfectly fine if there's no click-through, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I, Harvard is a great example of that. So we send out a lot of messages that have a lot of detail in them and the click-through rates are low, right? But if I've answered your question and I'm perceived to be a health expert, well then I've solved, that. that's part of the, part of the process that we're trying to do. The next time I get a message, you're going to be more inclined to pay attention to it because I've proven myself. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you will find a product that you need to supplement the information. You have to be, um, uh, to do that, what I'm hearing is you have to be a little bit more patient. You have to have that, a little bit more of that 
long-term view. And I think where a lot of businesses um, fall down, whether it's email marketing or social media, well, I put up my tweets, have I had my sold something. You know what? I, I think one of the things that we also lose in the translation is the lifetime value of a customer. What is, and lifetime is the key word there. <laughs> what is it worth to have this person be engaged with me for the life of this relationship? And, uh, you know, a lot of people, especially in this economy, it's okay to be impatient. It's okay to expect results. But I think you have to keep that lifetime in mind. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm still surprised at how many business owners that we meet that don't even know what the lifetime value of one of their customers is. Uh, yes. Um, I actually used to do a seminar with um, an accountant, Howard Cox, from, from Somerset. And uh, he developed a very simple spreadsheet and a formula that we could use to take our clients through that whole thought process to think about, you know, what are they buying this year, you know, what other services, and, and it opens conversations about, well, what other products and services should you be offering right. um, to keep them engaged? Well, and when you sit down with somebody and say, okay, let's talk about, you know, what's the lifetime value of one of your customers, and you can see the business owner think, oh, gosh, you know, I've, I've been so busy selling widgets that I hadn't really thought of that. And it does open up a lot of different conversations for them to get clarity about what they're trying to accomplish. You know, sometimes we'll sit down with people and they say, I need to build a new website. The first question we ask is, why? Mm -hmm. You know, what are we trying to accomplish? And sometimes they don't, they haven't even gotten that far in the process. They just look at the old one and they're tired of it. <laughs> well, so, and, and some of them uh, built prior to 2003. They should be. Well, they do, you know, and that's, that's right. Even maybe 2007. So there's a, there's a lot of bad work out there for sure. Well, and, and some of it, um, I, I, I'm not necessarily going to say bad work. At, at the time, it was... Oh, there's a lot of bad work out there for okay. sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, the time is flying by. Allison, any interesting conversations on Twitter? If you've got... Questions or comments, you have just a few more minutes left to put them up with the hashtag MTFW. Um, other thoughts on email marketing, other last tips that people should keep in mind? I, I would think, uh, you know, once you get beyond the, okay, I've, I've, I've got my list, I've figured out how to segment it, I can send relevant information, the next step in the process really is to start thinking about what can I do that would be evergreen. Um, most of us are trying to do more with less anymore. Uh, so if you could figure out what kind of messages that you could craft that could run, maybe they supplement your sales efforts, maybe they supplement your communication or your PR, but there, there are lots of things that you can do that says, uh, one of our clients here in town, um, to supplement their sales staff, when they get a, an inquiry that comes in through the web, it automatically generates a response that says, hey, thanks, we got your message, someone will be contacting you soon. And then the sales manager has a message that goes out about a week later that says, hey, this is from my desk, and it's all text. It looks like the guy just sat down and wrote it. But it's basically, I just want to make sure that you got your questions answered. And if you didn't, please feel free to contact me and write me back. And then three weeks later, if that customer or that prospect hasn't become a customer, there's another message that goes out and says, by the way, just following up, um, I know that you've talked with X because all this stuff is um, it's all tied together. But I want to make sure that you're still getting your questions answered. So there are... There are lots of triggered messages that could be built that somebody doesn't have to sit and hit the send button in order for that to happen that can really supplement and help nurture that relationship. And it, um, writing them the first time is tough, but then once, once you've got it built, it's really nice. We, had, we built a number of them, and it's probably time to refresh some of them. I have one that when you download a copy of our business plan outline, 
you get a series of 10 emails that coach you through the process. Right, yeah. And it, um, it took a while to find tools that can help me do that, and now that I've got them, it's, it's really nice. So um, I'm now going to do a big shout-out to my friends at Address, too, because Nick Carter's my guy, and we, we definitely use that. Do you guys use um, custom solutions for your email? Are you relying on other people's tools? Uh, we use Exact Target. We're one of the, the few gold partners with Exact Targets. We've been uh, we've been with them, I think, a little over ten years at this point. Um, and so we are we're here, and we're very familiar with them. We've been using the system for such a long time that we understand how the API works and technology is. Just right there with where it needs to be. And, and they're an amazing company, and they continue to innovate. They're, it's pretty staggering to see the growth that they're uh, putting together down the circle. Awesome. Okay, well, we are almost out of time. If people want to find you, they should go to? Uh, rarebirdinc.com, or they can find me on Twitter. It's just <laughs> uh, or my personal blog is dakotas.com. And that is a fun read. Oh, I, re I really enjoy your family adventures. Thank you. If you have enjoyed today's program, if you have questions or want to learn more about marketing, networking, social media, or even email, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.